0: Hey, guys, happy Tuesday. So glad to be with you today. Brian Davis, co-founder of Spark Rental. I'm here with Justin Liebernecht from Poplar Homes. Justin, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. I think that's actually the first time you said my name out loud. Am I right? It is. So did
1: I mispronounce <laughs> it? I'm sorry. No, no, you did. You did great. You actually say it the way my aunt who married in says it. So there's two ways they do it. It's, it's I say Liebernet because I say it like my grandpa did. She says Liebernet because of the German piece of it. But if you're really German, you say it and it's just like an aural assault, it's way too much ear stuff. But no, thanks for having me. I'm I'm happy to be on.
0: Well, you know, know, this is why you should always double check with people how to pronounce their names before you go live in in broadcasting. So anyway, I apologize for that. Uh, No problem. We're we're very excited to have you with us today. I I know that you are doing all kinds of uh, fun and kind of Creative, disruptive stuff with with Poplar uh, in the property management space, uh, and that you've you've done quite a bit in the real estate investing space as well. So uh, let's let's rewind the clock and just start right at the beginning of of your career in real estate. You know, how you got started, uh, you know, both you know in your, your real estate career and also in your, your personal real estate investment.
1: <laughs> I just spilled my water. Don't tell anybody. Um, oh no! <laughs> <so, laughs> so i there's, there's No, I'll be fine there are kind of two pieces to that. There's the stuff that I did on my own and then the stuff that I kind of saw through family. So there's, there's a generational wealth piece that I think my, my dad was hyper aware of because his, my grandfather bought his house on the GI bill. So he put a dollar down and bought a house that would have retailed for like $3,000 in 1963 in San Diego. And then my dad bought his house in 1976 for like 30 grand. And then I bought my first house after I graduated, from college and moved back to san diego and i got i got lucky a lot of the things in this story you're going to hear are just pure dumb luck on my side so i get back to san diego and it's 2008 so the crashes happen prices are falling and so i buy a house in san diego about two miles out of downtown three bed one bath a thousand square feet built in 1949 for $250,000. The property kind of dips and shrugs a little bit. And then I'm I'm working for this company that I don't care for much. And so we'll leave them off of the record. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay I'm either going to find another job or go to grad school. I end up getting accepted to grad school in New York. So I'm like, cool, what do I do with the house? And I said, okay, my dad's here. I'm going to try and rent it. And then if stuff's funky, my dad can come help out. And so that was the first like real piece that transitioned from being my primary home to a rental home. And that's something that at that time wasn't as common, but I think is is so common now where people move for a job or school or a relationship or any number of things. And they end up with their primary property becoming an investment property. It was not a deliberate choice. Uh, So while I'm in New York, I managed that from across the country as best I could. We had some rough Tenants during that time. We had some great tenants during that time. Um, you know, you kind of see all that stuff when you're directly managing the property. Um, I never intended to be in real estate, and I never intended to be a real estate investor when I left New York. At this point, I lived in San Francisco, San Diego, and New York. So I'm like, I want to go somewhere where I can afford to have, you know, an apartment and a sandwich. These would both be nice. <laughs> so so I, I came to Las Vegas because I had a friend here. And so I stayed with him for about a month. And at the end of that month, I had a job that was paying more than the office I was getting in New York. I had a two-bedroom, two-bath, thousand-square-foot apartment that cost half of my one-bedroom, one-bath in Brooklyn. Sure. Uh, and it was just so much easier. And so I rented for a while and had the property in san diego and finally in about 2015 it was time to go okay i I need to stop paying rent and buy a house so i I was able to find a property here in vegas in 2015 that i purchased and then i've got one investment property and i'm living in my house and i get approached by a company to run the marketing portfolio for them in property management in single family rentals. At the time I was a marketing analyst for Caesars. I was telling them how to make money off of gambling, right? So i like, <laughs> if, you, if you give this promotion out, here's how much money you'll make. And we'd argue about if my numbers were right. That that was my job. But I happened to get this this opportunity to move into marketing for American Homes for Rent. And at that point they were around 20,000 homes. So this is about 2016. So I go over and I start working for them and it's it's my, graduate degree was experimental psychology so it's all data it's all numbers it's all conversions and that plays really well into the pipeline game which is how many calls turn into an appointment how many scheduled appointments turn into showings how many showings turn into applications how many applications close how many closed applications move in right so you just look take that funnel and beat the crap out of it with a b testing and see what you can do so we had that funnel going and If you can get those numbers down and know what you need, like how many people need to go through the house to lease it, then you know in your first week how long it's going to take you to lease it. Like it's really important to have those numbers there and have some kind of a structure so that you can gauge your success. We're at Poplar now. So AMH was easy because we were an owner-operator. Like all of the properties were owned by American Homes Friends, giant REIT. So we could do whatever we wanted as far as pricing goes as far as moving times go and we had it all standards all the same being at poplar now there's a big difference because we are representing owners and so one of the big things that a property manager's job is and kind of almost an internal therapist to work with both the owner and the resident and get that spot where both groups understand the value the other participant brings to the equation and is By being recognizant of that, you start to look at the pure money idea, which is most common for owners in a slightly different way. You start to go, if I get a good tenant who never needs maintenance calls because he can fix stuff himself, his payments are always on time. And when I raise his rent 3% each year, he doesn't care. That tenant is probably worth more over four years than having a tenant, having it vacant for a month while you clean it up and flip it, raising the rent 10%. The next year doing the same thing, the next year doing the same thing. Like there's there's a massive value towards having that consistency and that stability where turns are just turns. If you can avoid them at all, turns are just a they'll just eat up all your profit all day. Because you've oh yeah. I mean that that's where anything. like
0: 90% of the costs of managing your rental property come from are, are the turnovers.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah all the, that, the maintenance and repairs are, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's it's always a challenge to get in there and It's the Forrest Gump box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to walk into. You never know what you're going to get. And we've started talking to a couple of companies that are doing interesting things in this space where the deposit walkthroughs are done by the resident. And it's a full walkthrough video of the home. We are also working with Inside Maps, uh, which is a really cool company that does. Everybody knows about Matterport, right? So Matterport's kind of the default 3D marketing model walkthrough HDR photos platform I'm really partial to inside maps it's slightly more expensive than Matterport but the benefit of inside maps is they have and this is relevant because all this stuff is happening now but they've been doing this for four or five years now they have an AI in the back this machine learning model that looks at the photos stitches them together into a 3D walkthrough you get HDR photos out of it it builds the floor plan and in addition to that, it does measurements so you know full square footage of all the walls and ceilings if you need to get paint. It identifies wow. the different flooring surfaces you have, what their area is, and what they are, where there's tile, where there's carpet, where there's laminate. So if you need to contract with somebody to go in and replace carpet, you don't need to have them go measure. You say, this is how much carpet I have. What's my estimate? And then they can just and it's show accurate? the job. Yes, yeah, remarkably accurate. Um that I haven't seen deviations greater than a couple of percent. Like it's phenomenally good. They even do volume wow. for HVAC load. And then they also do make model serial number of appliances. So if you're sending somebody out, you know, what parts to have on the truck at AMH, that was really important because we had all in-house maintenance at poplar. We have in-house maintenance and it's slowly growing. And as it does, that stuff becomes important because if the, the kicker for us, has always been looking at that, that Delta. And when you've got a resident in a house in the middle of summer, this is a very Vegas, Arizona relevant piece. You've got them in the middle of summer, their AC goes out and we're going to call and try and find somebody. They're going to charge you two, 300 bucks just to go out and do a quote. Sure. And 60, 70% of the time you get out and it's a capacitor, which is a $20 part that you can just pop off and replace. It's a blown fuse. Yeah, that's a $3 part and it's just a replace. Right. So by pulling that stuff in house and having it, our guys do the diagnostic. If it's a low level fix, there's a massive capital savings. This is right in line with the people that manage their own properties. Like if you're managing your own property, and you go and look and you can figure that stuff out. It's very much of the baby boomer space. They're very hands-on this is what my dad would do. You have that. So that, that's, that's kind of that switch there. Um, to go back to kind of it's hard to scale
0: though. I mean, you have to, you have to have a physical presence yeah. in every uh, city where you operate.
1: Correct. And that's why poplar is not a hundred percent. At this point, we have concentration in the Bay area. Well, a couple places in California, a couple places in Washington, and then there's a couple places where it's coming, but it is very much on density. You have to hit a critical mass. You can't hire somebody full time for three properties. You can't hire somebody right. full time for the extra house that you have. That's, that's where friends and family kind of come in. Um, Yeah. So I I think those are the things that kind of lay around the edges of that for trying to figure out what the value is. For myself, the third property I bought was in the middle of the pandemic when all the property or all the mortgage rates went so low. I refinanced my house in Las Vegas. The house in San Diego had more than doubled in value. So I liquidated that one, took the capital and bought what became my primary here. And now my secondary is short-term rental. Of course, Las Vegas, we're going through all the licensing process. So they do a license and a lottery. And so I'm constantly right on the edge of going long-term rental with it. But I I've, I've found corporate relocations and traveling nurses, like Furnished Finder will help with those. So there's all kinds of ways to fill those gaps while you're trying to figure out how to maximize your return on investment. And it's definitely a pain. <laughs>
0: You know, we've we've heard a lot of people have success with those those medium term rentals. Uh, you know, the the one to six month rentals to to travel nurses. Uh, you know, uh, corporate relocations and you know, uh, insurance kind of those extended stays, corporate extended stays. You know, people who specialize in that swear by it as uh, a way to earn much higher returns on your rental properties. Has, has that been your experience, or are you more yeah, excited to first- get it?
1: Yeah. So the first time I ran into it, I had my house in San Diego was vacant and I was waiting for the next person to move in. So it was out, it was publicized. It was, this is available, who wants to rent. And I had an insurance adjuster reach out to me and said, Hey, I've got this, this family, their house burned down. They need somewhere to stay. They're in a hotel right now. So they'd be renting for three months for sure. And then go month to month. And they offered two things that made it super compelling. They offered me 25% over my rental rate The and then a uh, like $3,000 was like a surety bond on deposit. So anything that happened, they'd fix. But these are people who just have very little stuff because a bunch of it burned up. So they're going to come in and stay. So they furnished it through. um, I forgot the name of the company that does uh, short term or it's like rental furniture to fill the home. So they furnished it with that. They rented it ended up being there for about six months. So in that six months i made an extra 30 percent, right so i'm getting nine months of rent for six months of occupancy and then when they moved out the place was fine because all the furniture went to the furniture company so there was no broken furniture left behind there was no garbage or trash they cleaned it out and took care of it because they're just people who needed somewhere to live and so the turn on that was super easy right so that was a good delta and then i got a long term in there and so i was comfortable with that and then for short-term in Vegas, if you're in the right city, it's there's money there because Vegas had said no, you can't do short-term rentals, right? They're going in that it's partly NIMBY, but it's also not strong my hotel background.
0: lobby in Vegas. I mean it's, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: partly NIMBY, it's partly the hotel lobby, and it's also building restrictions. So if you look at Vegas. We built out and we built out flat. There's no up. The only tall buildings are on the strip. Everything else is right. is three stories at most. And so when you look at that, we're hitting our edges. We're hitting where we run into BLM land in Vegas. So the next development in Vegas has to be changes in the building code. It has to be changes in density of housing. And so that's part of the reason that Clark County is looking at it that way. And I get that and I understand that. but now they're doing a lottery to provide the short-term licenses so theoretically we'll go from twelve short short-term rentals to 1200 short-term rentals there's court cases about it it's a big mess i've dotted my eyes and crossed my t's so i have business license llc set up i went in the lottery i have my number i'm waiting to get the call and find out if i can keep doing what i'm doing Um, but right now they're stayed from enforcing um fines and liens and all that stuff so uh, I'm just waiting to find out if I'm going to have to shift and get more nurses or a long-term in. So I think that that nimbleness is kind of beneficial if you're in a place yeah. where you can do it. I'm in Vegas. My property's in Vegas. makes it a lot easier. This is not something I would trust to a remote property manager to try and figure it out. If I was doing right. long-term, absolutely. But the short-term, I don't think I'd, I'd... I don't know if Vacasa or Evolve or any of those companies that do short-terms could assist with the lottery process or could assist with the paperwork and kind of bizarrely human touch that the city is asking for or the county is asking for. Uh, We'll see. So I do think there's a lot of value in that. What I've loved about long-term though is when you can get it to be so hands-off that you don't have to do anything. Like, yeah, there's like you'll make 30% if you're doing Furnished Finder and you could make, I mean, you can make more than double if you're doing short term but there's a lot of work involved in that there's a lot of back and forth there's a lot more maintenance calls there's a lot more pieces that can go wrong you're dealing with more personalities and when you get the right long-term tenant in and for two years nothing happens except
0: you get paid that's great man
1: (laughs) so there's these layoffs and trades right
0: yeah, I mean it's it's the the passive investing model versus the uh versus, versus running a hospitality business. Correct. Um, yeah. 100%. And you know, it is a business uh running a short-term rental. Uh, yeah, oh, and you can absolutely. you can pay a, a short-term rental property manager to to run most of the, that operations for you, but it's still a business. It's a ho- hospitality business. 100%. Um Yeah, so,
1: so I think that why, so In that long-term space, I think that's one of the things that we're doing at Poplar that we're really aggressive about is trying to make it so that you don't have to worry about anything as an owner. If you want to be a really passive investor, you can find property managers that will take care of your property for you and are local and are kind of like on the button. We have that combined with a national scale. And because we're so big, we get to offer extra peace of mind stuff. And that extra peace of mind stuff is like, we have a rent guarantee where you'll get paid even if we haven't gotten the rent from the tenant yet we'll chase down and hassle with the tenant we're not going to tell you oh there's no money i guess i'll have to wait until we find it uh we also do eviction coverage so as a way to kind of stay away from any fair housing violations we like we ask our owners to say here's the criteria we're going to use say we can use this criteria and we will rent your house and you don't need to see their application you don't need to review them We'll get your house rented. And then if that person fails to pay, we'll take care of the eviction and we've got the rent guarantee. So we're putting our money where our mouth is that we're going to get a good tenant. And so the, those kind of structures are there to kind of eliminate some of that fear that having a
0: long term tenant can do to uh, the cash flow question. Oh, sure. And so let me ask you this how how can you guys do that profitably? How can you guarantee uh, the rent? and pay the the landlord their rent, uh, even if you haven't collected it yet from the tenants.
1: Yeah, there's there's an arbitrage question there, right? So in the same way that an insurance adjuster and an insurance company is looking at this giant broad swath and going, okay, we have so much that the likelihood of this incident happening is X, cool, it'll cost us this much. So by having the number of properties under management we do, having somebody who just your job is coordinating evictions and having somebody that's like okay your job is coordinating chasing the money that specialization allows for the delta that it kind of breaks even and washes because we're we're providing that so we get people to sign up we get people to stay we get people to be on our platform but in all honesty the likelihood of those happening aren't that huge and they can be devastating if you only have two or three houses they can be brutal even if you have ten but when you're sitting on tens of thousands of properties, the incident is surprisingly low, and so that's where we kind of shift that delta. Where for a two-property person, it, it may be like a three percent chance, but when it happens, it, it's dangerous. You could lose the house, it's you go into bankruptcy. Yeah. It's super catastrophic. Yeah, at our scale, we go, no, it's just something that happens three percent of the time, two percent of the time. You know, then we chase it down and solve the problem.
0: So, I mean, do you guys uh, do you guys adjust the the portion that the property management receives as a net accordingly, or I mean, like, is this is that guarantee uh, covered through higher fees on your end? Like, how does that work? It's really just
1: absorbed into the greater block of properties, right? So, when we're setting up and doing a portfolio onboarding, depending on the size of that portfolio, there's going to be a different percentage paid, right? A smaller portfolio of lower rents is going to have a slightly higher management fee because we're pretty focused on this tight thing and there's one point of contact for these two, three houses. If you're bringing on 15 properties and they're all higher end rents, this happens a lot in Washington, the Bay Area, then we're going to be a much lower percentage and we're still stable on the Delta. We have pretty normal fees. We're pretty in line with the industry. The fee piece is really only around your percentage of monthly and then your leasing fee. Um, We don't do a releasing fee. We don't do a break lease fee. So that helps, right? So that that's a good Delta. And then we do incentives on the other side to retain and cultivate quality residents. We have a program called street cred where their rent payments, a portion of them, we call a a benefit for them when they decide to buy a house. If they buy a house where we have a broker and they use our broker, they can get up to 20% of their paid rent back as a credit right so they go buy a house and we go cool we'll help you we'll represent you we'll get you through it and then at the end here's a check right and we're doing that for us it's really again salary versus commission so if we have a realtor or a broker in that market that realtor broker they work for us they're an employee they're already salaried they're not chasing that three percent three percent three percent so that three percent goes to half of it or half a percent will go to paying them and then whatever you've earned, you know, if you're talking about a, a 3% on a $200,000 home, you know, that could be six grand that's coming back to you, but the $200,000 home is is less likely. We're, we're usually helping them buy four hundred five hundred thousand, 500,000. And so we've had a couple of people go that route too. So we're kind of sitting in the middle trying to cultivate and make the whole experience better for both sides and be a true like lifetime property partner.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. And I, I love how you guys are using an economy of scale to find those efficiencies and, um, and offer better service uh, for both your, your landlords and your, and your renters. So, Justin, I want to be respectful of your time here. But before we wrap up, do you have any uh, last tips for uh, real estate investors out there or landlords out there, uh, you know, how they can maximize returns or, you know, any, any tips that you've picked up over the years that, that you want to communicate to people?
1: Yeah, can I, can I plug our pod just because we do a lot of that on there?
0: Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So we we host a weekly show called the Poplar Propcast, and it's usually um, 45 minutes to an hour. We have guests on and we talk through developments in the industry, developing in certain markets. So if you go listen over there, there's some really good market recaps. Uh, Ohio's pretty hot right now. There's the chip fabs that are going in over there. Reno's pretty hot with both the lithium mines and all the stuff that Elon's doing up there. Um, and and as those things kind of pop up, we kind of chase those down. We also talked through the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. I think that that's one of the, the big ones that's going to have a profound downstream effect on both renters, owners, and investors for the lifetime value of properties. Because if you can get any of these uh, incidental deltas out of the way, all of a sudden those just accrue an extra hundred bucks a month for you for the rest. So um, go check it out over there. It's at uh, poplar.home/pod. That's poplar.home/pod. You can also find it at poplarhomes.com, lower left-hand corner, and it's called the Poplar Podcast.
0: All right, great, and we we put a uh, a link to poplarhomes.com in the uh, comments as well. So um, yeah, go check out uh, poplarhomes.com. And uh, Justin, thanks you, thank you so much for hopping on today and joining us. It was a pleasure speaking with you. It was a real pleasure for me too. Thank you very much, Brian. All right, guys. Well, we will see you next Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, as always. And stay in touch. You know, hit us up at support at sparkrunnel.com. Let us know what you want to hear about, and we will catch you on the flip side. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information.